Love it or hate it, revising your work is essential to the creative process. I happen to love it, so if you hate it, then maybe my enthusiasm can help. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich, and this is How Story Works. It's the beginning of December, and that means that those of you who did NaNoWriMo have a manuscript to revise, and this is when the rubber hits the road. Last week, during drafting, I told you to shut down your internal editor with sunflower seeds of crap. Well, now, for revision, you need to wake her up and get her going again. Luckily, she's a bit obsessive, so unlike your creativity, you don't have to do much to call her to you. She will be there with sharpened red pencils and a gimlet eye ready to go, and all you have to do to get her attention is open your manuscript and start reading it. Even so, there is a process to revising that can help you get the most out of your editing time. And this week, I'm going to run you through that process. Step one, put the manuscript away. You heard me, put it away. If it's in physical form, tuck it in a drawer or a box and set it aside. Make a note of where you put it and then do your best to forget about it for at least six weeks. Do not listen to your soundtrack. Put away your collage. Set aside everything that reminds you of that story. Walk away, Renee, for at least six weeks. The reason you want to do this is so that when you come back to your story, you'll be more able to see it as a reader and not as the writer. That's the really hard thing about editing, stepping back, getting some space, and coming back to the story with as dispassionate a perspective as you can get. You'll never be able to read your own story from a truly fresh and unspoiled space, but six weeks of deliberately not thinking about or interacting with your story will get you as close to that space as you're going to get, and it will allow you to see things you might not have caught if you were still living every spare minute in that world. For some of you, this will be easy. You can move into a break with no problem. You can set the work aside and let it simmer until you're ready to get back to it. For others, this may be challenging. If you are one of these people who cannot shut down the creativity well once you've got it running, then move into discovery on another project. Go to a new world, a new space. Set up a new soundtrack. Create a new collage. Do whatever you have to do to get mental and emotional distance between yourself and that rough draft. Six weeks is the general time frame that has always worked best for me, but some of you might not have that option if you're on contract. And for others, you might need more time, eight weeks or 12. Like everything in life, you have to adjust for your particular circumstances. If you're on a tight deadline and you can't afford six weeks, take as much time as you can afford and be diligent about not thinking about your book during that time. For those of you who have and need more time, take it. You can test whether you've had enough time away when you try to recall details about the book and they're a bit fuzzy or entirely forgotten. If you remember everything about the book clearly, you're probably not ready. One thing you can do during this time off is go back through the first 28 episodes of How Story Works and refresh yourself on narrative theory, conflict, structure, and character. Reinforcing these ideas in your mind will help you when you get to step two, which brings us to step two. Read your manuscript like a reader and take notes. You're not editing at this point, you're reading. Print the manuscript out or save it as a PDF. Just read it in an environment where you will not be tempted to edit. As you go, think about your craft elements. What is your central narrative conflict? Is it clear? 
What are your anchor scenes, the big moments that escalate the central narrative conflict? Work out your CNC for any subplots or parallel storylines. When you identify your anchor scenes for each plot line that you've got going in the book, jot them down on index cards or post-it notes. Note the page numbers where they fall and take a look at your pacing. Think about rearranging things to fix any pacing problems. And with each anchor scene, try to think of ways you can make things worse for your protagonist throughout. Your job as a writer is to torment your characters. Make sure you're not pulling any punches. The harder things are for your protagonist, the better the reward at the end of the book. This is also a good time to think about theme. I don't recommend thinking about themes until after you're done. Often, when you're telling a story, you don't know what you're writing about until you're done. Hell, I've written books and didn't know what they were about until years later when I had enough emotional distance to see those themes clearly. That's okay. I say it's better to not know your theme than to sacrifice story beats to it. Don't let your themes or your message hijack the story. But if you're aware of what's going on under the surface, you can find little ways to enhance those themes during the rewrite. Look at your characters. What are their strengths, weaknesses, and vulnerabilities? Does your protagonist's vulnerability get tweaked by the central narrative conflict? If not, how can you make that happen? Tying in your protagonist's vulnerability to the CNC is a great way to amp up the flavors in your writing. Take a look at your characters' names, too. Do you have a Mary, a Marty, a Michael, and a Matt? That could be confusing to readers, especially with background characters. Set up a page with all the letters of the alphabet on separate lines, and every time a new character shows up, write the name down. You'll see patterns that might be confusing as you go, and you can make a note to do a find-replace to rename that character later. But beware if you misspelled a name even once, or used a nickname based on that name. If someone calls Michael Mike at some point, you're going to need to keep an eye out for that. Now that you've read the book and taken notes, it's time for step three, getting down to work. Set up a schedule. Like drafting, a revision process responds to regularity. Set aside a specific amount of time at the same time every day if possible and go into the book. Keep your notes nearby as you comb through the book and make your changes. Go methodically through the book page by page and stop when your timer goes off. Unlike drafting, hours spent in revision can wear you down and screw with your ability to do the detail work. I recommend one hour every day and no more. Then mark your place and come back tomorrow. This will keep your mind sharp and fresh as you do the meticulous work of revising. The only exception to this rule is when you find yourself drafting new scenes. If you're writing, keep going as long as you have the energy and inspiration. Like I said, the three phases of writing, discovery, drafting, and revision, will overlap a bit. And now for the fourth stage, the fresh edit. This is where you change the visual or experiential context of your manuscript so that when you go through it again looking for more fine detail work, you'll be able to see it with fresh eyes. Changing the font on the manuscript, printing it out on paper, reading it in your ebook reading app as a PDF. These are all methods for approaching the fresh edit. This last run through will help you catch the typos and misspellings and mistakes that before you change the visual context of the book, you missed every damn time. Now your story is ready for the fifth and final stage, feedback. First, you want to go to your beta readers, the writing equivalent of beta testers for software. These are people who will read your story for you and give you the actual reader experience. They'll be able to tell you what's confusing or unclear, what emotional beats work, and which ones fall flat. Generally, you want these beta readers to be readers and not writers. 
There are lots of reasons for this, but mostly you're not looking for people who understand the craft. You're not writing for writers. You're writing for readers. Smart friends who are passionate readers are your best beta readers because they will be able to tell you if it works or not. And that's what you need to know. Does it work? If a beta reader can tell you that your central narrative conflict is weak because your protagonist's goal isn't personal enough, then that's not an effective beta reader. They know too much about the inner workings and might tell you something's broken because it doesn't line up to the rules. As I said back in the beginning of this podcast, the rules only apply when something is broken. A story element can break the rules and still work, and that's what you need to know at this stage. Does it work? You don't want to spend your time fixing what isn't broken. An effective beta reader will say, I stopped caring about this character at this point, and then it's your job to apply narrative theory to figure out why and how to fix it. Once you've gotten your beta reader feedback, then you can go to your writer friends and give them the skinny. My beta said that they stopped caring about the characters at this point, and I don't know why. At that point, someone with deep knowledge of narrative theory can be a big help. But for identifying how the fresh reading experience is broken, they're not as helpful. Another quick note on feedback. Just because someone has a problem with something in your story doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be fixed. My rule of thumb is this. If a beta reader comes back with a problem and I agree, I fix it. If a beta reader comes back with a problem and I don't agree, I wait. If another beta reader has the same problem, I go in and fix it whether I agree or not. But if no one else flags that particular issue and it comes down to a tie between me and beta reader number one, I win. No good book is ever for everyone. Some people might not get the story. It might be in a genre they don't understand, or it might just not be right for them. This is why you need a deep bench of beta readers who you reward with small gifts and effusive thanks every time they read for you. Once you've got your beta reader feedback, then you start the revision process over again at step number three, getting down to work. You've got their feedback, you take their notes, identify the problem areas, go back in for another run through it. At that point, your book is ready for an agent or an editor. If you're self-publishing, this is when you hire a copy editor to go through your work and make sure it's properly proofed. Mistakes will always get through to the final version, even in a traditionally published book that goes through many stages of editing. But you want to minimize that as much as possible. And that, my friends, is the long haul of revision. I happen to love it. I love fixing all the things and doing that final polish. But if you don't love it, at least having a methodical process can give you that hit of satisfaction on a job well done. All right, that's it for today. If you have questions about how story works, call 302-643-CHIP. That's 302-643-2447 and leave a message. Or you can email me at Lonnie at Chipperish.com or contact me on Twitter at Lonnie Diane Rich or at Chipperish with the hashtag HowStoryWorks. How Story Works is a free college-level course in narrative theory and is entirely supported by listener donations. For as little as a dollar a month, you can keep it in production and gain access to exclusive chipperish content and a community of smart people who love stories. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish for more information. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. 